Good evening. Hope everybody wore their mittens tonight. Did we say mittens still? <laughs> mittens or gloves or anything. I appreciate a war- I came in tonight about six o'clock and I thought to myself, I appreciate a warm building we could meet in. It's the little things and the simple things in life. Grateful you're here tonight. Uh, you could be turning your Bibles to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six. We're going to begin there tonight. And uh, this evening is the last lesson in our series of resisting Satan. Uh, next uh, Wednesday night, we're going to have a um, singing devotional. So there'll be no classes next Wednesday night, which is the 28th, I believe. Let me double check that. Yes, the 28th. So we're so grateful that you're here tonight. And I pray that we'll have a good discussion. And uh, my intention is to really encourage us in the faith. Uh, to be strong against our adversary, which is Satan, as we've looked at these past few weeks. And I hope that we've been simply reminded of um, the power of Satan, the, the, um, uh, the devices that he, that he has. But most of all, I hope that we have appreciated the grace of God more and God's love and God's uh, uh, enabling us to defeat Satan, And that's what we're going to look at a lot tonight. I'd like to begin with um, uh, a quote and a statement, if I could read to us tonight. One is, uh, when we resist God, when we resist God, we draw near to Satan. Kind of a reverse. <laughs> when we resist God, we draw near to Satan. And here's the quote I'd like to, to read. Satan is the most powerful foe we will ever have to face. But through Christ, we have the strength to resist him. We could be victorious over Satan, but not with some half-hearted effort. Satan is a coward who can be put to flight by strong conviction and resistance to him and his temptations. So I guess the question is tonight, have we put him to flight? <laughs> so let's begin tonight. And uh, I, I, I don't know if you got the email I sent out. There's uh, three questions I'd like for us uh, to look at. But before we do that, let's look at Ephesians uh, quickly. I know you've read this passage as I have many, many times. I know that, uh, I mean, as far back as I can remember, uh, this passage of Scripture was taught myself. But... As I grow older and more mature, hopefully in Christ, I'm realizing how relevant this passage is more and more and more in my life. This is written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus. I wish we had time to look at some historical things here tonight, but we don't, of of the history of the congregation there. Paul was in prison, and Paul wrote clearly to the church there and to you and I here today. Let's begin verse 10, if I may. Back up this a little bit. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong. That's an encouragement to me. Be strong. Be strong. Put on the whole armor of God. Not a part of it, not a piece of it, but the whole armor that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh or blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, 
against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now let's stop there. Let's dissect very quickly here these two verses here. What message do you get personally from those two passages? It encourages me greatly in the faith. It does. We're not fighting, as we know, a physical war individually. It's a war we cannot see, unless you want to define sin in the world around us. We could really see it all around us. But this is an inward spiritual battle, spiritual warfare, that I suggest, and I think Scripture suggests too, was before the Garden of Eden even, when Satan was rebellious against God. So Satan has always been described as Lucifer and, you know, the, the father of lies and all those descriptions that we've looked at here. But you personally, in your walk, in your walk with God, I can answer it my walk with God. How does this encourage you in the faith? Verses 10, 11, and 12. Before we get into specifics here of what the armor is. How does that encourage you? That's got to encourage you as, as a Christian, as a disciple of Christ. It has to speak loud to you. It does me. Yes, sir. It says to me that we will be in a battle. Mm-hmm. For Christians, there is a war. And um, that our strength comes from uh, God, not from me. We have to rely on something else. We can't do this by ourselves. That's, that's one of Satan's most effective tools. I mean, that's my notes. That's the most one of the most effective tools that he has to convince us that we could do this by ourselves. It's a sure recipe for spiritual failure. We can't do this without, aside from God. We can't do this apart from Christ. Very valid point. Very biblical point. Thank you, Chip, for that. What else does that say to you? Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. That's the purpose of this whole 13 weeks, right. this class. Then the Lord can, the Lord the whole purpose. stand against that. That's exactly right. So I don't think sometimes we understand what we're up against. That's God's people. I mean, look around us. I'm not talking just about a war in Ukraine, a power-hungry people. I'm talking about marriages and children and drugs and alcohol, pornography. We could just, I mean, we don't have enough time the rest of this year or next year to list all the sins that Satan has helped. He's a facilitator of sins. Somebody told me last week. I thought, well, I guess that's right. He is a facilitator. Or at least a facilitator. He doesn't cause us to sin. What causes us to sin? That's another we've looked at too. You know, Satan doesn't cause you to sin. He tempts you to what? To sin. So, you haven't sinned, you haven't had an evil thought, you've never treated somebody wrong, you've never done anything against God without the help of Satan. I think we've looked at that. Yes, sir? You know, it talks about 
against the rulers of the darkness of this age. When Satan tempted Christ, he told him he would give him power over nations. Affect rulers so that they are rulers of darkness. Pharaoh or... <laughs> and, and, and we have to be careful that so upset that we that we don't focus on Christ. We'll focus on what they do that's so bad and, and, and it kind of pushes out the good thoughts that we should do. So if it isn't it's not talking about more than one devil, but it's actually talking about people he's in power, I think. You think I don't want to show a hand, but do you think David, that Satan has assistants or helpers? I mean, what forms? I mean, through other people, through their hardness of hearts. I mean, look at Pharaoh. I mean, all the problems that he caused himself and his whole country because of his hardness of heart. You know? So, but what I gather out of this, probably more than anything else, I have an option. I have an option. I'm not, I don't have to be defeated and spend eternity in the lake of fire. I don't, have, I don't have to do that. I have an option. And God has, as we know, has already defeated Satan, gave him that fatal blow because of the death and burial and resurrection of Christ. But we have here too, you know, Paul says you need to, when you go out to battle, and if you were honest about it, we battle, we battle Satan. How often do you battle Satan? Somebody just tell me. How often do you battle him? Every day. <laughs> Every day. But when you understand the enemy, when, you, when we go get up every day, we've got we to we be prepared to fight. <laughs> you know, we can't do it by ourselves. We've got we to be prepared. And where we think that we don't have to be is, is, is simply beyond me. So let's, uh, this is one of the questions I ask, and we'll answer this, of course, in the next passage. And describe the armor God provides for us and its usefulness. What is this armor? Resisting Satan. What is this armor? Of course, I listed a few things up here. And uh, let's read the text, and then let's dissect it, and give me your thoughts on each of these points here uh, tonight. Uh, therefore... Verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be well able to withstand uh, in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as your shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith, which, with, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication to all the saints. I think Paul says, listen, you can't quit. <laughs> the price is too high. You can't quit. So, who wants to start off our dissection of this quickly here tonight? And two more questions I want to ask you. So, so describe for me this armor of God. If, if somebody, if I ask you, I didn't know much about God's word. I said, well, what is this armor of God that the Bible talks about? What is this armor? What is it? What does it look like? How would you describe it? What would you answer? 
anyone. Yes? So Reagan and I were watching the Green Bay Packers this last weekend in Shakyana Stand. Was he rooting for any team against the Green Bay Packers as her favorite team in the game? And she asked me about the padding under the quarterback, under their jersey. She said, how come the pads around the quarterback look so weird? And I said, well, they're trying to protect his ribs because he's exposed when he throws a pass from somebody hitting the ribcage Using that analogy, um, this armor is here because we are going to be attacked. We just talked about being in a battle of war. It goes on every single day. And that if it's when. And so you can go into it unprotected, mm. or you can go into going into this battle with Satan, who's got all the experience in eternity, um, unarmed. And, I think is um, an unprotected would be like a quarterback in a professional in the NFL going out there with no pad. Yeah. Or, mil or a military with no bullets. I mean, or a military with... <laughs> well, and on that note, that's an offensive gesture. I was yeah. thinking defense. Well, this armor is both. It's both. Right. It's both offensive and defensive. Very much. And then other thoughts. How would you describe it? You summed it up. Who else? How else would you describe it? This armor guy. How do you do this armor? Yes, ma'am. I can't help it. To me, it just defies logic for anyone to go to battle unprepared. And it's, it's just that, especially the foe that we have. I got news for you. You're not going to win that battle. You're not going to win it. And we look around us today, and we see a lot of people losing that battle that once declared, I'm a soldier of Jesus, but, but somewhere along... The path, Satan <laughs> threw all these darts at them, and that shield wasn't up, and it penetrated them, and it got to their hearts. I don't know a bigger tragedy than that, than for a person to lose their soul. You're not going to win. <laughs> You're not strong enough. That's why we need this armor, and it's given to us because of Christ. That excites me. Yes, sir. Salvation. He gives us the Spirit. 
So we have to clothe ourselves and become the image of God mm -hmm. to be the same. Yeah, tell me one that doesn't describe God here. Can you say anybody see one? That didn't, uh, John 1 1, Jesus says, I am the way and the what? And the truth. And the life. So the belt is what? Our belt is is it's Christ. It's the truth. Do people want to know the truth today? The majority don't. I'm convicted, and I believe, and I know you do too, as part of the kingdom of God, that people still want the truth. The simple truth of Christ. They still want it. It's not the majority. There's a lot of people who don't like the truth. The truth hurts. The truth exposes. The truth is honest. It helps us see ourselves. That's the truth. Christ. Yes, ma'am. I was just thinking that that's the armor David wore. Breastplate of righteousness. What's righteousness? We've defined that. What's righteousness? You just defined it. Righteousness is what? Being right with God? So that's a, is that too simplistic? Being of... I'm sorry? What God views is right. That's right. Thank you for that. It's not what I think. It's what God thinks is right. The sandals of peace. How do we have peace? <laughs> if, you, if you're here tonight you don't have peace, we need to talk. Christ gives peace. Inward peace. That we don't fret or worry over the things that the world worries and frets over. Our perspectives are different. Our values are different. Our thoughts are different. Our actions are different. I mean, on and on. I have peace. What can man do to me? That was Paul. If we read the rest of the chapter. He said, I'm in prison. I'm here. What's he say at the end? He says, uh, so that you may know that I am and I'm doing well, you know, he, he's in prison, and he says, encourage yourselves, I'm here for a purpose, God put me here. Peace, peace, why would people pay for peace today? You can have it. <laughs> I like to look at it very holistically. I think you could uh, go down some rabbit holes and say, well, sandals are in feet, peace, and walking where peace is, and you can make some fun connections and analogies. But every word up there, it, I would think of as, as like a core word yes, that has yes, many other words. Yes, so very, very honed in on exact things, and then you could expand later. Exactly <laughs> right. Yes, sir. Um, Isaiah 52. Mm -hmm. How beautiful upon the mountains of the feet. Of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation. Thus designed that God reigns. That's, I thought of as preachers, but it's, it's all of us. Not just preachers. <laughs> I mean, how can you publish peace if you don't have peace? <laughs> I don't know how you do that. How you do that. There was a guy years ago with us, I think our first year of marriage, which is 40 years next June, we bought a sweeper called the pig. I don't know if it, that's what it was called. And it made you live longer, the guy came in. And, it, and it, they took things out of our house and dust. I, I mean, I, we thought we were good housekeepers. So that guy came to us, and he wanted me to sell those things. I can't sell a sweeper. 
I'm not sold on the sweeper. <laughs> you can't sell anything. We, we're not, we, people say, well, we're not selling anything. Well, no, we're not, but we're representatives and we're ambassadors. How can you be an ambassador for Christ when you're not about Christ? How can you tell somebody, hey, you know, you could get through this marriage difficulty or this drug addiction or this sex addiction, or you could get through this problem with your child when, when, when you don't do it yourself? <laughs> it, it, makes, it makes that, that the feet uh, of sandals of peace, rather. I mean, it's, it's void. So these are characteristics of heart. I, that's how I see it, yes. Interesting that Jacob would go to Isaiah. I was looking at Isaiah 59. I have a footnote oh. in my Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, about putting on the breastplate of righteousness. It takes me to Isaiah 59. In verse 7, it says that these people who were, uh, who were sinners, who were evil, and verse 7 says their feet run to evil. <laughs> Opposite that, verse 8, they do not know peace. Um, it says, sorry, I'm going ahead of myself. Down in verse 16, it says he's, his, his arm will bring salvation. And uh, he says about Jesus himself, he put on righteousness like a breastplate, a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and he wrapped himself in zeal as a mantle. <laughs> if Jesus is arming himself with these things, how is it we can, we can <laughs> defeat Satan without that? <laughs> I'll mention that. I don't know how anybody would describe or think that they can by themselves, apart and aside from God. Peace. Peace. Look, look, if history doesn't teach us from, I mean, the biblical historical accounts or even the relevant current accounts of today doesn't teach us of what happens when you don't have God <laughs> and the turmoil and the friction and the division and the hate and the, uh, that I don't, want, I don't know what would teach us. I want peace. I have peace. I don't, uh, you know, I might pass from this life tonight. I mean, I know I have peace. I know where I stay. I know where I stand with God. That needs to be all of us. Yes, sir. I just sat here thinking about how all these things are interdependent on one. Can't have one without having the rest of them. That's a good point. You can't have truth if you don't show it in your righteous life mm -hmm. and peace. You have to have faith to overcome the things that you don't understand that you're challenged with. The helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. All those things are a complete defense against the devil. Just like that outfit is a complete defense against. Give us a chance. Yeah. Satan didn't have a chance. Listen to me. He didn't have a chance. If we're prepared. And all those like garments this. are defensive uh, to the purpose. The sword they used as a defensive weapon because they, I mean, they could slash and all that stuff, but mainly they, they stab. They tried to keep somebody away from it. I can imagine going into any physical battle or without a without a a shield. Could you? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> without a shield. When when I when I look at I love history. When I look at the uh, the Civil War, they didn't have shields, <laughs> and I just thought that was strange. 
And if you look at a lot, so many people lost their lives because there were no shields. I mean, the Romans had shields <laughs> in Jesus' day. I don't know. I think this my own. There are writers that point this out that, that Paul was chained to a Roman soldier the whole time he was in prison. So I imagine he got to look at this armor every day. And, and made that application. Very good. Yes, sir, you had your hand up. You had your hand up. Oh, well, I was just thinking that you cannot get peace and bless you submit to God. I fought him for years. No peace is no peace at all. Listen, there's nobody in this room that can't say that. Credit uh, to you or any of us here. There's nobody in this room that can that could not say that, that we fought against peace. <laughs> we fought against Christ. We've, we haven't had this armor as we should have and could have. So the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, think about that. We have salvation. I mean, God won the cross. He was resurrected. <laughs> he won. The battle's still going on. The war is won. It's over. God won. Read Revelation. <laughs> Good one. Good beat evil. End of the day. Yes. You know, it seems so odd that people that were, that this is written to, would, would not defend themselves. When they were sent to the lines, when they said, okay, you fight or die, that, that even though the, it is a, a visual, Representation. It's a spiritual battle. And all of these are spiritual. Which affects the physical. They are all spiritual uh, things, you know, <laughs> represented by physical things, but they're not physical. Like I thought of Stephen, and I read, I read this several times in the past week about Stephen. Oh, yeah. And then I thought, you know, <coughs> what courage and boldness and that he stood up and well, what, what would cause him? He knew. I mean, he knew those words would get him in big trouble. He knew that. But he preached it anyway. You know, then he saw at the end what? Christ. <laughs> you know, so, always spending a lot of time on this. Sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. I remember, I'm looking at uh, you now, Cain. I'm thinking of your, your father. And the day before he died, he told me, he said, Chad is an elder. You just, Stay with the word, and you'll be all right. I never forget, you stick with the word. Nothing else, nothing more. Stick with the scripture. Stick, stick with the word of God. Great, great point. We're get, well, I, I didn't get to the other questions. <laughs> what does God promise if we resist Satan? Well, I mean, what, 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 what do we get? James 4, 7, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he'll what? I can attest to this. I mean, <laughs> I mean, all of us can, can we? I mean, resisting. Speak it sometimes, as I told you, I've done before. Get, you're not going to win today. It's over for you today. Does that mean he'll stop trying to, to tempt you? No. Will he come at your weakest moment? Yes. Maybe health issues. Family issue. I mean, he comes in different forms. The tax comes in different forms. Look at Job. I mean, <laughs> what did Job do? 
I mean, of course, his friends thought he had what? Had sinned. He didn't sin. That sin didn't cause him. Who afflicted Job? Who afflicts us today? (laughs) I think we know that, don't we? So I think any any comments to that other quest, that back question? You know, what what did we get? Yes, ma'am. Well, when you tie this plea, it makes me go back to the armor of God. And, yeah, we want Satan to flee from us, and and we try to flee from him. But in this, it says to stand. There's nothing protecting the back. You can't run away from Satan. You have to stand and face him. I do this, that means I heart. I love that. <laughs> I think yeah, that's true. That's all frontal, isn't it? I never thought of that. I'm 60 years old. I never thought of that before. That's a great point. That's a great point. It is. And then the last question I'd like for us to look at, what, when Jesus battled Satan, we know this too, it's the same thing we've been looking at here, but for me, from a, I mean, when Jesus, I mean, when he battled Satan, what weapons did he use? And of course, we could look at Matthew 4, or if we had time now, which we don't already, it's shocking. So when Jesus was tempted, just entered his ministry, he was tempted. How was he tempted? If you want to look there, let's, look, let's see if we can get there real quick here in John. We'll just highlight, so we won't read all this. We'll just highlight some of these things. So the question is, you know, what weapons, weapon did Jesus use to battle Satan? <laughs> oh, what did you say? He used the sword. He was the sword. You know what's always baffled me? Now, you might laugh at this. Why did think Satan think he could tempt Jesus? Why? He knew who he was. He was his creator. <laughs> He's God. Why does Satan think he could really tempt Jesus to sin? So Satan never had any inkling, if I could say it this way, of who he really was. I'm just being facetious here. Because he was also fully man. This is just like we do, and that's what it says. That he was probably close to a physical death from all the time he spent in the wilderness. Was it 40, was it 40 days? 40 nights? very, very weak physically. I think I've never been without food for three hours. I can I mean I can't imagine 40 days. Think about that, 40 days. So Satan knew who he was. He knew he was in this physical state. But yet Satan didn't stop, did he? That's my point. Even against God, he didn't stop. So what what makes you think he's gonna stop with us? <laughs> he's not going to. He's not going to. And so what did, what did we have here in, in Matthew 4, uh, one of the uh, examples of, I mean, a, a description of him. And the first thing Satan tempted him was what? Of course, he had eight, 40 days, 40 nights. What happened? The Bible says Jesus was hungry. What happened? Satan told him what? If you're the son of God, you can what? Make these stones into bread. Now, could he have done that? Sure he could have done that. 
Why didn't he do that? Why did he go 40 days and 40 nights without eating? You ever thought of that? Why? Why do you think? Fasting? Up to understand his focus? I'm just asking. I think it's weird that he didn't get hungry. The Bible says he didn't get hungry until after that time. He went through 40 days, then he became hungry. Here's our point of this question for me tonight, for us. How did Jesus, how did Jesus combat Satan? What did he do? I know we know this, but do we know this? Do we know this? Yes, ma'am. No distractions. When we went to uh, Israel, that's what he talked about with our God. Was when you're in, there is nothing. It is dead silent. You don't have any outside. He knew what was ahead of him, of course. He knew what was ahead of him. And many times he got away, did he not? I mean, many times away from the crowd, away from the disciples, and went up to a desert place. I think Matthew says, many times to pray and commune. We need that too, don't we? That's another lesson. <laughs> we need more of that too. But how did he combat him? What did he do? Was he intimidated by Satan? Doesn't look like it to me. Was he scared to death of the guy with, that's red with horns that the world puts out in front of us today? No. We talked about this a little bit last week, but the scripture. He used, he used to work to, and with authority to refute and to rebuke Satan. And you know, Satan was taking him in with, with great things of eternal. And he fought back with that old guy. I think that's what, uh, that's what Jesus was fed when he was in the wilderness. Is there any temptation that, that we have that Jesus didn't have? He said, well, he's God, he overcame. But he gave us the tools to do the same. That's our lesson. Huh? <laughs> he, he gave us the tools to do the same thing. And because of him, we can defeat these devices. So it's scripture. Quoted scripture. When you think of someone being covetous, if, if you think about being jealous of somebody, or if you have that in your heart, don't you go to Scripture? I do. And see the consequences of that and how wrong it is to God. And, and I should learn from people's mistakes that they've made in the past? Yes, sir.
It's not quoting the scripture to somebody. But, but to ourselves, I think, to, to, for me personally, you know, knowing the word and, and trying to strive to be in the word, I mean, I look at, I look at David, for example, and all the heartache that, that, that lust of another woman cost him. What it cost him really was his relationship with God for a while, didn't it? <laughs> that, that helps me. I don't know. I might be odd, but that helps me to not sin by looking at others' failures and mistakes, if you will. But you're, you're absolutely right. That's a very good point. Chip, you had a comment? I'm sorry. Um, so it's not just quoting the scripture. The next temptation he had, we know what? what? He says, you know, never take to a holy city and set him up the pinnacle. And this always bad. This one always baffled me. Because who created the pinnacle? It was all. <laughs> I mean, who? So, so it would have been easy for Jesus. What was the temptation for Jesus in the flesh here? What was the temptation, the second temptation? But what was it that Satan thought he could get Jesus on? What was it in the second one? What do you think? Because the angels were protecting him. Right? The power over the things of this world? I mean, I still think, I understand the concept, I understand Scripture when it says that he, Jesus came in the flesh, of course. We know that. He left heaven, left glory, came to this earth. I understand that. But it's always, it still baffles me that Satan really thought he could beat him <laughs> in this. But again, he was human. And he was praying, I think he was, was praying on those, those humanistic weaknesses of Jesus. Even though he was God. And he didn't sin. And he was perfect. And he, he describes faith for us, does he not? The third one was what? Yes, go ahead. You hit on again what I was going to say a minute ago, basically, if you want to say it now. And that is that Jesus was tempted like we all are to take things into our own hands. Period. All of us, at one time or another, probably thought that our parents made a decision about something we didn't like. We thought, well, when, I'm, when, I'm a, when I have kids, I'm not ever doing that with my kids. Um, and then we find out when we have kids, our parents were pretty smart. <laughs> they get smarter as we get older. And they get smarter as we get older. We want to do things our way and in our time. And Jesus' resistance to Satan's temptations, all of the temptations were to, for Jesus to take things into his own hands. Throw himself off of the pinnacle to prove now that you are the Son of God. Not in God's time when you'll be glorified and resurrected. Do it now. I mean, why do you have to go through all that, Jesus? Do this now. You're doing do it now. And, and, and all of that happens in temptation when you're tempted by whatever it is. It's taking things. How can this be wrong? Um, I can do this. It, it's, it, the bread was because all these tie back to an Old Testament all of them um, scenario. But the bread was to show um, that so with that, that correlation is when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they went across the Red Sea and they went straight into the wilderness. And so when Jesus is in this situation, he goes right from um, being baptized into the, into the wilderness, just like the Israelites did. And what did they get to eat all the time? Nana. And they were unhappy. They complained. Jesus didn't complain. So Jesus is tempted in the same way. You're hungry, make some bread. 
just basically says, God will provide. And so anyway, I, I just want to make the point that his temptations were real because every one of us, including Jesus, has temptations to do things our way. Why do you think he didn't pray on the night he was betrayed? You know, please, deliver me from this. He had to think that had to be a different way. But he succumbed to his will. And we know elsewhere that he learned obedience through his suffering. It's not obedience when we agree with the plan. It's when we can't understand the plan, we do it anyway. And you do it anyway. And that's what Jesus was doing. Get up, Abraham, and take your son, your only son, offer him as a sacrifice. Joshua, march around this wall for seven days and blow a trumpet. Doesn't make any sense, does it? <laughs> that, that's obedience. That's faith. Any more comments or questions before we close? Yes, ma'am. Always working until we take our last breath to get our reward. That's it. And as elders, can I say, I think it'd be for all of us, as protectors of the flock, shepherds of the flock, we're constantly looking. And the times of peace, the times when the sheep are lying down, um, it makes you more alert <laughs> because we know. All of us know that Satan is not going to leave us alone until we take that last breath. So he's going to try. So I hope this series is his. I know we've had multiple teachers, and I appreciate all of them so very, very deeply. And uh, I know you do too. And I hope this has helped us to understand our enemy. And uh, just to, as a reminder, a basic reminder that, uh, of how we can defeat him, how Christ already has, and how grateful we should be for the grace of God. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys.